Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today we got another guest for you. One of my favorites, back from the days with the Rockets uh, and a product of Wisconsin, we have the one and only Sam Decker. Sam, how you doing, man? It's a pleasure to have you. Hey guys, I appreciate it. This this should be fun. Thanks for thanks for thinking of me and having me on. Absolutely, happy to have you, man. So let let's get into it. Um, this off season was a big one for you. Um, let's hear about when you got back from overseas and at what point did you kind of realize you you had a chance to get your way back into the league after a long grind and journey. We'll get into here for sure. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny, you know. During the year, you're trying to get updates from your agent. You know, you're talking to teams, you're sending out clips, uh, watching games, and teams do their due diligence. Some teams more than others around the NBA about scouting overseas, and especially guys that have been in the NBA, they kind of keep an eye on just to see how they're progressing. Or, you know, when you when you say team, some teams do more due diligence than others. What do you mean? Like, how do how do you know that? I think some teams take overseas prospects in overseas, like, you know, the Euro- European circuit, I think some teams take it much more serious For than sure. others. Um, as you'll see some teams repeatedly go find, you know, talent overseas. Oklahoma city recently has been really diligent about finding guys. San Antonio for you know the past 20, 30 years has been doing that. Um, yeah. I could go down the list of what of teams that really like tap into that potential. And some teams they, they don't as much. They like, you know, to stay within, you know, the continent and universities. And uh, so every team has their own approach. So you kind of hear, um, you know, what teams are responding to feedback and, you know, you know, your agents, if they're doing their job, they're sending, you know, weekly reports and stuff. And you kind of hear the same names, you know, Oh, thanks. You know, appreciate it. Yeah. We're watching type of thing. And then, you know, we knew there was some interest there. And then that's when you kind of set, uh, set up, you know, free agency, workouts and it's almost like you're in pre-draft again, you know, and, um, you know, just, you know, just trying to make a splash and impress some teams. And, um, thankfully I was able to do that. And, uh, it, it was a grind and a journey, but just thinking that it's kind of becoming worth it. Just, uh, you can sleep good at night knowing you put that sacrifice in. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you are now coming back. I kind of want to start from the top with your journey. Obviously, you're now coming back to the Toronto Raptors, um, which I would classify as one of the teams that definitely does their due diligence overseas. Mm -hmm. So that seems like a cool fit and a fun fit. They had a down year, but I think it's kind of a fluke. They're very talented, adding Scotty Barnes, and you kind of fit in with the body types that they like. They seem to like, you know, 6'8", versatile guys. So excited to see that. So like five different 6'9", and 6'8", lineups. Let's just roll them out. They could like run run a bunch out. So let's run it back. You got drafted. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think it's 2015. I want to mm-hmm. 
yep. um, by my Houston Rockets mid, mid first round. And I think you came in, I'm going off memory, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I think you had a back issue at the time. I did. I did. And yeah, is that- I was, yeah, I was sidelined for most of the rookie year. It was, it was a thing that after summer league, we were like, oh, we can just rehab this. It'll be fine. And then it's something that didn't get better. Um, so we had to operate. And then I played with the Vipers in February for a couple of weeks and then still had a little bit of lingering effects. So they were like, let's, you know, keep you up in Houston with, you know, the real medical staff and, um, kind of started my off season in like mid March, uh, to get me ready for a year or two. Mentally at the time, like, what was, what was that like for you? Was it something you just brushed off thinking, whatever, I got my rookie deal, I'll come back. Or did it kind of weigh on you? Oh, it weighed on me. I was, I was kind of in a dark place. I think it was just cause my whole identity was hoop and being able to be on the court. And when you're not able to do that and you have to watch and watch, you know, guys play well and guys that, you know, were, you know, you just feel like you're falling behind a little bit, you know, not being able to get game reps, even competitive practice reps or pregame three on three, four on four reps. Those are so important. Um, so my, my main thing mentally was how can I just almost to a fault, like be around these guys so much, like, how can I like always be standing next to Trevor, Trevor Ariza, or like, how can I always be asking Jason Terry a question type of thing? Um, Pat Beverly, like, how can I ask him how to be like, you know, read defenses and stuff. Um, so it got to the point where that's all I could really do. Um, but I felt so much more re- after doing that, I felt so much more ready going into year two, going into that summer with the new coaching staff coming in. I almost, it was almost a blessing. Like, Oh, everyone has a clean slate here. Right. Um, let me, let me try to prove this to a new staff. And I was thankfully able to do that. Yeah. That rookie year. In, in, sorry. I just wanted to kind of piggyback Zach that rookie year in Houston, um, kind of gifting the curse, right. could have been an opportunity to get minutes cause that team struggled and yeah. Kevin McHale got canned like 10 or 11 games in JB mm-hmm. staff took over. Um, and then the next season though, Mike, like you said, new, new staff came in, Mike D'Antoni came in and that team had some juice and you, you played a big role at times off the bench. I remember specifically, dude, I remember you dropped six trays on the Grizzlies. You had a 30 burger. Um, mm-hmm. and you had some really big moments and that team went to the second round. Yeah. Um, so then what was it like for you getting the news that you got traded, uh, for Chris Paul? Yeah, that was, it was the weird. Sam Decker trade. That's what yeah. it was. <laughs> the Sam Decker trade, right. No, I was, it was, it was weird. It was one of those things where I felt like I had a role in Houston, you know, just in my second year playing almost 20 minutes a game and being a, just one of these guys, me and Montrez were like, Hey, go give us energy. You know, if you hit some shots, great. You know, just elevate. You know, we had a good second unit. Dude, you, know, you Trez, Bev, um, especially Capella, Cap- Gordon, was, yeah, off the bench. Eric Gordon and sometimes Nene. Yeah, he was huge. And then they traded for, I want to say, Lou, Lou Williams, right? Lou. Yeah. yeah. So, like, second half of the season, it was uh, second unit was like Eric, Lou, me, Nene, or Trez, depending on the night. And then we would just figure out which wing um, after we got rid of Corey Brewer. So we had a pretty good mess there of, you know, offense, defense. I was, I knew my role, you know, slash hit a three. If I, if I feel it that night type of thing. Um, so to, you know, I was a mid lift and I was lifting weights when my phone started like buzzing so much. And my friends, I just saw like on the main screen, like 
oh my God, oh my God, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. And I was super confused. Uh, <laughs> so I opened Twitter and I see I was, I was traded and I walked into the training room and Keith Jones is there, one of the long time. Trainers, uh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I just got traded. And he's like, no, like he was basically like, get out of here, man. Like, shut up. And I was like, no, I think I just got traded. And Keith checks his phone. He goes, all right, Sammy, like, let's walk you upstairs. So he like <laughs> being my like teacher almost like walks me upstairs. Cause I'm all like, you know, frazzled. I'm like, I thought I was this young piece that was going to help me you know, stay around a while. And, you know, I go and talk to Daryl Morey and, you know, he didn't want to get rid of me and Trez, but you know, to, you have to give, get rid of a lot of things to get a guy like Chris. So, um, you know, it was an honor to be even with that kind of, kind of name, but for sure, it's pretty shell shocking in, in your, you know, going into your third year, getting traded and, uh, feeling like you belong somewhere and then, um, getting shipped off and it's a whole new world. I'm sure you were just getting comfortable there and things. I mean, that's definitely yeah, flipped you upside down once again, first the injury and you fell a little bit in the draft and that probably at all, I mean, was a part of it. And then all of a sudden you're getting comfortable, getting healthy again and kind of have this role in your mind, I bet. And then you get a Twitter update. Yeah. There I go. Getting walked out of the facility, but like you said, it is kind of a, it's gotta be feel like kind of an honor. You were part of a historical trade. Um, you helped make one of the better Rockets teams of all time. I mean, they they obviously valued you in that trade to be a part of that, to go to the Clippers. And um, so it, it's not just like a throw-in type of deal, you know, just, I mean, you're a part of a bigger deal and that's a part of it. But how comfortable were you getting at that point in Houston and how, I mean, how big of a shell shock was that for you? Because I've talked to guys some on here plenty of times and a lot of them are ready to get traded. They're ready to like, it was a fresh start. They needed it, you know, and you were on a veteran team that was looking to compete. Maybe Mike D'Antoni didn't want to play the young guys. So who knows, but what were your feelings at the time? Um, I, I it, it was hard because like I said earlier, I felt comfortable in my role. Um, I had, you know, had talks with D'Antoni and, you know, how I can help the team, you know, getting another year of maturation, you know, working on my body, just getting more consistent. That was my main thing. You know, being on the floor wasn't the issue. It was just uh, sometimes I had too many ups and downs and that comes with being a young player. Right. And um, so getting shipped off, not shipped off, but being part of a, a package to, um, you know, the Clippers, it, it, it was hard on me mentally. I wish I would have um, the lessons I had and learned from at that point, I wish like I was in this mindset going into that trade. Um, but it's the first time for everything. You don't know, or you don't know how you're going to react, how it's, you know, how it's going to affect you mentally and physically. And, um, you know, I, I enjoyed LA a lot. I enjoyed my, my time. Um, I didn't play well. That's like the, the main thing right there. Um, I struggled figuring out my exact role and, um, Doc was very upfront with me, which I loved. We had a great relationship. He was a great communicator. Um, I just got so comfortable with the Antoni style and I struggled going to Doc's style. Gotcha. And, you know, I was trying, I was asking questions. I just didn't play uh, up to my level. I was, you know, still Can you, can you give us an example of like something that made it difficult? Um, you know, I, in Houston, I was more um, playing off the ball, you know, spreading the court. You know, James Harden gets so much attention. 
So I got so used to getting open looks. I got so used to cutting off of him, getting easy dunks. You know, that became my MO in Houston was just like, how can I wait till Eric or Lou or one of these guys draws another defender and I can cut behind him and get a dunk or I can fill the corner and hit a three. That became really easy for me. Um, going to LA, it's just a new system. They don't have, you know, the main guy is, you know, guy's jersey behind me, Blake Griffin. It's a whole different way to get involved. And I just wasn't as good at it. You know, I, I, I had to learn and I, I felt like I was behind learning. I don't know why. Um, sometimes fits don't work for everyone. And for sure, it's human to admit that. And um, I loved all the guys there. I loved the staff. Me and Doc, like I said, got along great. I just didn't play that well. And it was on, that's no one's fault, but my own. And um, then that, you know, that next summer I get traded to Cleveland. So um, obviously, so I wasn't there forever, but um, you know, go, looking back on it, I wish I could redo it. Uh, Cause I feel like I would have been able to get myself more well-equipped uh, for that season. Here's the thing you, you live and you learn, I mean, throughout this process and it seems like your mindset's completely different than probably where it was back then. And I mean, you're ready for this next opportunity, but coming in, I mean, especially guys who are drafted 10 on, I mean, it's all about opportunity. It really is. And um, yeah, yours completely changed um, your role and your opportunity when you went to LA. So, I mean, things get, get tough. And I mean, if you don't get the perfect situation, a lot of times, and you don't get the minutes you need uh, to develop in that role. I mean, that's when it gets really hard to develop and show what you're made of. Like you said it, I mean, I I've thought it this whole time, your game fits hard and perfectly. Um, and I think you probably would have thrived if you would have stuck it out there and, uh, but never know, you know, so you are where you're at. Um, what would you say is some of the biggest lessons you've learned, um, from the first time you were traded to the second or third? (laughs) You gotta, I don't know. I I just feel like you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, especially, you know, I, I, my wife, Olivia, you know, she's been with me through all of it and, you know, we tried to set up shop so much like when we get traded, when you have to be almost the opposite, be, you have to be really light on your feet. You got to let the wind blow you where you're going and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And again, that comes with being young, you know, like I feel like a lot of times, you know, fans don't understand. It's not just putting a different uniform on it's learning new coaches, names, learning how yeah. to communicate with teammates, learning, plays, learning defensive schemes, learning. And then in between all that, finding a place to live, figuring out how to get your cars from point A to B point, <laughs> getting your clothes and your stuff moved from one city all the way across the country to another. You're doing this all while trying to play professional basketball against the best players in the world. And for a 23 year old kid, 22 at that time for me, um, I, it, it was just hard. Um, I, I, I wish I would have you know, like I said, I'm 27 now. I'm still young, but I've been through so much where I feel like mentally I'd be able to handle it better and, and, and get through it better and not let it affect my game. Um, and I honestly, I think I got in my own head that for that one year in, in LA, especially shooting the ball. Um, I started the year shooting poorly and then I just almost just took that piece out of my game, which, um, made the game tougher for me. You know, I still was, I think I played 74 games that year, but I still, it wasn't to the level of where I can be. And I think that was one of the reasons where I had, you know, come two years later, I'm in Russia trying to prove myself again. Uh, it's because I wish 
you know, I could have done a couple things differently, but that's, that's all part of the story. Right. And, um, that's why God gives you second chances sometimes. And oh, you you know, got a hell of a story, man. I want to exploit this one the best I can and uh, take advantage of it. Yeah, man. So thanks for being so upfront. I think it's really cool to hear. I think a lot of people, especially on Twitter, people just kind of get desensitized. They just see people on TV and they think, oh, this guy makes millions of dollars. Like he should be able to just suck it up. And they do forget that there's a human element to it that makes it really difficult. You know, you're yeah. bouncing around, you're young, you're trying to get your footing and it's a cutthroat business, you know, one bad season or, you know, a bad reputation, whatever. And all of a sudden it's an uphill climb. So eventually you find your way out of, out of the league <clears throat> and you end up in Russia and then Turkey. So I kind of want to hear about um, what that was like for you. Was it kind of like a redemption story? Like, was it a moment where you kind of looked around and thought, all right, you know, I got to turn this around or were you just comfortable enjoying it? And also were you away from your family or did they come with you throughout that journey and like kind of support you throughout that? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, I'll be honest. It's not like you're just over there enjoying it every day. You know, um, some days are great. Some days you want to, book the next ticket home and don't tell anyone you just go home. Um, that's part of being overseas guys that I I know guys over there that make, you know, 3 million euros a year. Some of the highest paid guys over there that feel the same way, you know, that they're just like, it's not worth it and making great livings, um, having playing the, playing the game they love. Right. And I think Russia was huge for me that first year, you know, because it made the second year so much more manageable and my game showed it that first year in Russia. It's like, it's just such a slice of humble pie. Like when you get on that plane and you're going over the water, right. And you have to like admit to yourself where you are. And that's like the biggest part is like not accepting it because then you get stagnant, but just being like, all right, this is, this is, you know, this is the meal we're given, right? This is, this is what's in front of you. Like, how can we, how, how can we come up better on the other side? Right. And, um, Olivia was able to come once in a while. Um, but she, with her sideline reporting and her media presence, she's got to be all over the country here. For sure. Uh, so we found little times to get together, uh, which, which was great, but there was, you know, sometimes there'd be a month, month and a half, but we were apart and that was really hard as well. And oh, I bet. You know, time zones and, um, and then COVID hit. So I'm quarantined in Russia by myself, you know, like, so you do a lot of mental practice. And I came out after that first year when I came home, first of all, I loved quarantine in America because I was with Olivia. We just got a chance to be together, which was great. And my yep. dog and uh, whatnot, what kind but, of dog you have? a Husky. Nice. So, so we got a chance to all be together finally, which was great. But one thing I just realized how much I matured, um, just like being able to get up each day and just like, this is what I got to do. This is where I'm doing it. You know, I just figure out how to fend for yourself when you're alone in a country that you don't, that people don't speak English or you just learn, you just kind of get molded different, like things that mattered a lot here didn't matter anymore. You figure out who your closest friends are because those are ones that are actually checking in on you. And it's just like a lot of mental practice over there. And that's the biggest thing that has helped me. And then with COVID, it made free agency tough with the NBA. Um, So it was, again, let's test this again, go back over the water. And I was so much more ready. And, you know, I played the best basketball of my life. And it shows. shows. I mean, it's amazing how 
things fall into place now. And now that confidence is still with me here, you know, playing with the Raptors, playing, you know, in, in mini camps, going to make these workouts, like I'm still playing the same way. And, it, and it's, I credit it all to going overseas and just helping mold me. So you were in the Turkish Super League, which is a really respected league. Um, again, I'm a Rockets guy. Rockets drafted Alperen Şengün, who if you uh, have any stories from playing against him, I'd love to hear about what it was like playing against him. But to what you said, looks like you played some of the best basketball of your life. 15 a game, six boards, two dimes, a steal, 45% from three on four and a half attempts per game in 28 games, 33 minutes per game. Looks like you found your stroke and it looks like, I mean, the way the game is now, it's all about spreading the floor. Um, That I think is going to be a huge boost for you. Can you kind of talk about, you talked about Russia and, and quarantine in Russia. No disrespect to Russia, but that sounds crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I get, one of my best friends is Russian. I, too, quarantine in Russia. But uh, 28 games in Turkey, dude, in a respected league. Like, what was it like finding your footing and then spreading your wings and just shooting the shit out of the ball? Yeah, it was, yeah, just, I think going just into year two, understanding the game over there helped. Um, knowing the rules, knowing just the flow of the game. Um, like you said, you, you know, Turkish league is very respected league. So is the Russian BTB league. Those are probably, you know, two of the tougher ones and you're playing against a lot of Americans. Um, a lot of the Turkish national guys are really good players. They have some Serbians that come in. Um, and then, then the champions league is the European league. You play at the same time. Um, so you're going across Europe. So, um, yeah, this year. I think we got about 50 games and 52 wow. games, no, no cancellations with COVID, which was is it very, very, you know, surprising. Um, but yeah, it, it was just one of those things where I think going into year two, just knowing how the game is played over there and just being like, Hey, I'm, I put too much work into not let it rip, not uh, just be me and, and, and not worry or look over my shoulder. Uh, I think that came just with mental practice and I, I did, I've done, did a lot of work on my brain and that was the huge part of it. And then having guys around you that you knew. So, you know, we had Tyler Ennis, we had Kyle Wiltshire, we had Nick Johnson. Um, and hey, my, shout out to those Rockets. Those are yeah. all ex Rockets that you were with. Stealth, awesome man. And, and guys, you know, me and Tyler were together play like we're in the, uh, the second unit in the first part of the year before he got traded um kyle was that was his rookie year he was with us you know practice with us every day so just no, having those relationships helped and then nick um you know i was with him my rookie year a little bit before he got traded so like just having those relationships was so so good um and it gives you so much more confidence right because you know if you miss a shot they're not they don't care you know what i mean they don't care the same thing if kyle missed a shot take 10 more you know and and having that type of you know camaraderie and those guys around you off the court, hanging out with them, like, man, it makes your game that much better. And you're just so much more comfortable. So, um, you know, those guys deserve a lot of credit too, for the years that we all had and, um, you know, to continue, you know, supporting each other, you know, throughout the rest of our careers as well. You played with the legend, Eric McCollum too, didn't you? He, no, he was actually in, um, where was he? No, I didn't play with him. I okay. played against him a couple times, though. God, I've, I've just wanted to, him to get test the waters over here one time. I guarantee oh, he's had he an offer or two, but he, he can play. Got to be a Hall of Famer over there. But 
Well, Real quick, well, I just want to say, uh, Zach, I'll let you get it in. I've been dominating. I apologize. But since <laughs> when I tweeted, Sam, you said you saw the tweet. <clears throat> uh, a lot of Rockets fans commented asking specifically about what it was like playing with the old, those old Rockets. Um, a lot of people specifically mentioned Wiltshire. So I just want to confirm like that. That was kind of the thing that or one of the things that made it super fun and kind of comfortable. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, those, and those are my guys. They were my guys before. But then after doing a whole year together in Turkey, you know, those are your guys for life. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you see Tyler and, and Nick's jersey right here. Kyle's on a different wall, but um, like I, I talked to all three of those guys today, you know, and um, Tyler's going back to Turkey. Kyle's flying right now to Spain, Nick's in France. Um, it was Tyler's birthday yesterday. So like, you know, just that going through a, a year together in a, in a, in a different place, um, you know, you really form a bond and, you know, in Russia, there's the same way, you know, Alan Williams, former Phoenix son, who's still in Russia, um, Will Cummings, you know, Johnny O'Brien, who was with me again this year. Um, guys like that, man, like when you go to Russia or Turkey together and go do 10 months away from your families, you know, those guys become your family. So, um, you know, those, those, you know, shout out to those guys for, you know, helping, helping me get through every day. So were you guys pretty locked up or did you get to have some free time and get out and enjoy the sights at all? Uh, or none of that. <sighs> Turkey was pretty locked down, man. Really? Wow. Yeah. It, you know, the first part of the season was pretty open. Uh, they were one of the um, slower countries to lock down. Uh, but Istanbul, you know, being a city of almost 26 million, um, when COVID becomes an outbreak there, it wipes through. Um, For sure. So you know, when Istanbul gets compromised, the entire country basically gets compromised. It's Istanbul, it's Ankara, and then it's, you know, those are two big, big cities. And uh, we had outbreaks in each, uh, in each city. So, um, you know, then the infrastructure, it's hard to stay open, right? It's hard for that country to, you know, keep going. So we were locked down the last five months, you know, even driving to practice, it was roadblocks every two miles, asking where we're going. We needed a certificate from the Turkish basketball federation, which had to show them to the police to get us so we could drive to the arena. Um, it was very locked down. You know, even my wife would like go walk outside in the park and they would be like, miss, you have to go home. Like, wow. you know, they're trying to be respectful. It's just, that was the rule over there. And so it was, um, it, it, it was okay. I, I, Russia was harder being quarantined. So it was my kind of my second time around. And why, why? <laughs> Because locked in a goddamn box, the man. First, the first <laughs> lockdown, like in Russia, when he had a two week quarantine because the team, it, this was like the when we knew nothing about COVID, right? And they were just like, all right, you just have to stay in your house. We'll bring you food, whatever. So it was so unknown, right? It was like, what do I do? Like, are, are we, is this actually, is this deadly? Are we going to, you know, like, am I at risk? Am I, Oh, do I have a sore throat? You know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of just kind of mentally go crazy. And then we go home and it's like a month straight of that. Right. You know, we all remember what we did doing quarantine, you know, March and April. Um, so you kind of get used to that. And then you go to Turkey, it's kind of closed down, kind of not. And then when they say, Hey, it is, you know, we have a curfew, 8, 8 PM curfew. We have to like be in the house. You kind of just mentally are like, all right, like, Cool. I can go to the grocery store and back. That's what I can do. That's I'm going to take little victories in that. Like it's kind of my time outside. I can walk outside, you know, actually see a person and then get my stuff and go home. So, um, that made it a little easier. And also my building, 
was right next to the American embassy and the Canadian embassy. So I had English speaking people in my building. So I could kind of see them or their families walking around and say hi. And so that helped in Russia. There was none of that. So, um, what about the food? The food was great. Uh, I loved it. Turkey. Yeah. I was going to say Turkey seems like it would have the good food. Russia, I bet would be problematic. I love Turkish food. Um, Russian food. It's like, they're not they, eating dogs and cats and not no, just, no. Just, it's it's like there's no it's people get mad at me probably but like there's not like a, a ton of like specialty specialty cuisine you know right. like a lot of other influence so like there was a lot of um like great asian restaurants like so many like very good japanese restaurants chinese restaurants mongolian restaurants and then some like turkish georgian influence as well um and then like, obviously like Italian, just like everywhere else, you know? Um, so really good food scene. Actually, there was actually a Kansas city barbecue spot <laughs> in St. Petersburg that I found, which was like super good. Um, wow. so there's, Unreal. Shout there's, out. Good food, there's good food everywhere. I just love the, um, just the like authentic Turkish cuisine is really good. Yeah. You know, like kebab just, and yeah. fresh bread and all the veggies, very Mediterranean influenced um really really hummus. good so, yeah hummus so we actually have some places here that we want to hit up now more just because having year a year of that it's you know just and we we, we found to love it so yeah i really hey, enjoyed it favorite kc barbecue spot jack stack there we go that was quick and easy um, about, uh, I'm, I'm a q39 guy but what did you say i'm a q39 Texas? guy okay that's not bad or you centerish <laughs> that's not bad not it's bad a- I'm, I'm still I'm still coming around to all of them. Right all right. Now. What about what about Texas barbecue? I like Texas barbecue. I no, it's good. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. It's like I don't think I I forget the one. It's crazy. I feel like I've been so many places. It wasn't that long ago. JJ Watt was like Sam. You got to go to what was it? One of y'all? I think it was like north of the city. We have Gatlin's. Um, we have Pinkerton's, but Pinkerton's wasn't around back then. A ton have popped up in the city since you were. Okay. Here. Okay. Um, so back, I don't know what was popping at that point in time. Yeah. But like, I, you know, I went out there. It was a drive. It was good, but it was like 45 minutes. I was like, I could, you know, but. Oh, 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 God damn it. It's you know what I'm talking about now, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not Luling. Mother, hold up. I'll find it. I'll find it while we're on here. All um, right. So before we move on from Turkey, though, I just, I want to reiterate and ask, did you get a chance to play against Shingun? And if you did, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Who are some of the best international guys you played against? Yeah. Well, so, sorry for like getting away from that um no no, no this Perrin, is great i love hearing what about it's all about this. yeah uh, al Perrin, great player um love the way he carries himself that was the biggest thing to me um he carried himself like he was the best player on the floor and that's rare at 18 playing against you know grown men um and against nba players caliber players right um and to average what 19 and 11 like he did in turkish league and then they played in champions league, I believe. And he was again, like 17 and 10 in that. So it's like when you're playing in two leagues, putting those numbers up at the same time, that's, it's, that's impressive. And, um, you know, I, one thing people always say, well, can he shoot, you know, cause he's gotta be able to extend the floor, but I know that staff over there in Houston, like John Lucas is going to give him shooting the ball. Like yeah. you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. He shot like 80 something percent from the line in Turkey. It is. So 81% like, on six attempts. Yeah. So if, if you have, you know, that's a good precursor, you know, you have the touch, you know, you can extend that, you know, four or five more feet. So, um, no, I think just watching him in summer league in person too, like his footwork and the way he feels the game, he's going to be a good player. I, I, I like playing against him. 
he's got good swagger to him and um, he's relentless. He goes after the ball and that's what you love to see. So uh, I think he's going to be a good player. And uh, Turkish league, like I said, was full of very, very good players. Um, you know, five or six Americans on each team. Um, and then some, like I said, like Micic and like Anadolu Efes, you know, the, they just won your league this year, you know, Shane Larkin, um, yeah. Micic, that team is so stacked. And, um, I think they're running it back. Micic was going to sign with the thunder and Efes gave him, must've gave him a bag because he, okay. he, he rescinded on that and said, no, I'll go back to Istanbul. No problem. So, um, no, they're, you they're running it the back. Summer league? Oh, what'd you say? You do. You mentioned summer league. You do watch the summer league because I yeah, wonder I if NBA guys watch yeah, the summer league. Yeah, we, I was there with the Raptors, so we're we're watching. Um, you what? I didn't play. No. no didn't, okay. I okay. Play. I was about to say. I was like, I watched that Raptors Rockets. I didn't see. Okay. Yeah. I was I was at that game. Uh, I was sitting with some of our staff, and I was also sitting with John Lucas. He was sitting next to me, so it was just funny seeing some of the old old friends from the Rockets. So uh, kind of sat in between both, and was able to you know, catch up on old times. By the way, it's I think. Is it Killen's barbecue? Yes. Yes. Okay. There we go. I knew it. So looking back on um, your NBA, early NBA days, was there a vet that took you under his wing early? Trevor Reza, Jason Terry. Was there one guy that stuck out more than the others? Trevor. Trevor, because um, Trevor, he's the guy. You know, it's funny. In my interview um, at the Combine with the league, one, and they said, who do you see yourself, you know, modeling yourself after, you know, everyone, most guys are like LeBron, Michael Jordan, like I want to be MVP. And I, I, I said, Trevor Reza, I said, I want to be a guy that plays 12 to 16 years and yeah. either will start or come off the bench and be solid. You know, that's the, you know, and all of a sudden getting drafted by the Rockets, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I got the perfect guy to learn from and um, still keep in touch with him all the time. Uh, talk to him couple weeks ago when he signed with the Lakers, just, you know, sh- you know, talk to him a little bit and, um, him and him and Pat, you know, him and Pat Beverly oh, yeah. were are two guys that are very, I'm still very close to. And, you know, those guys have had my back through a lot of things and, um, have talked me through a lot of things, injuries, trades, and, um, the growing pains of being a pro. Uh, so those guys, I, I, I and a lot of my successes, I, you know, contribute that's to awesome, that. man. Got and you got them hanging on your wall there. So that's, yep. that's awesome. Yep. It means something for sure. For sure. And Blake, Blake too. Um, uh, like I said, in LA, it was, it was a weird year for me and his trade rumors all the time and stuff. And then he did get traded. Um, but a guy that is just a class act dude, a one in the locker room, um, very inclusive with everybody, you know, always invites everyone to everything. And those are the kind of guys you love leading your team. So, um, like I said, like very fortunate to build such great relationships, lasting relationships, with people that I grew up, you know, looking up to and now awesome. knowing them friends is, is pretty cool. As a Wolves fan, Pat Bev, so you think he's going to be all about helping those young guys? Yeah, get some for toughness sure. And get after it. I think that's a big thing. And Roosh can attest to this. They have a lot of former Rockets front office, you know, Gerson mm-hmm. brought a lot of his guys and um, they love Pat. There's, there's no, we're jacked up. I mean, there's no, um, you know, it's not just coincidence fell in their lap. You know, they want, they want an influence like Pat. And that's something I think the wolves have been missing. Um, not to speak on another team or not to speak on other guys, but you know, th- having that fire, that passion, uh, an, an authentic leader, uh, I think is, is going to be big there around that talent that they have. So um, I think Pat's going to cherish that. And he's, he's a little closer to home now in Chicago. So I'm excited for him. 
Yeah, I think it's easy, kind of attesting to some of the things you've talked about. It's easy to get your head down, especially if you're on a losing team and you got a bunch of young cats. So a guy like Pat that brings it, Mr. 94 feet, right? Every second, doesn't matter if you're up 20 or down 30. Yeah. I think that can really infuse um, and yeah. kind of begin to build that type of culture and all that. So, all right. So we've walked through Houston now through Turkey. So can you kind of talk to us about the road back to the NBA in Toronto and how that got started, how it went, kind of everything that went into that? Yeah. So it was mostly, um, you know, they're, they were, like I said, they're a team that, and you, and you know, this, they do reach out overseas. They do look, you know, at the talent over there. They do take that scouting seriously. So I knew, you know, they were one of the teams that were like, Oh, thanks for continuing setting this and, you know, keep us posted on Sam's progress and everything. And, you know, you, those are the things you hear. You never know, you know, how much they're at, they are actually watching it. It could be more or, or less than what you think. And, um, but they did want me to come in. They said, Hey, you know, can, can you bring Sam? You know, this is a week where we'd you know, like to see him. Um, you know, I was trying to schedule workouts with teams, you know, as free agents do, you know, Hey, you know, they can watch you on film, but they want to see how is he in person? You know, how can he, you know, answer questions? How can he, you know, um, fit into what we have. And when I went to, went to Toronto, I, you know, got a right, you know, up close and personal with a lot of guys and, um, you know, they just threw me right into things they do, um, playing against, you know, their, their guys and, um, you know, other, other free agents, just getting a chance to be on the floor. Right. And, um, you know, I felt very comfortable right away and it's great. I was able to, you know, answer questions about my shooting and, um, you know, keep showing that I'm still athletic and myself. And what kind of questions are those? Like, is it just as simple as, well, Sam, can you shoot? We saw you shot. No, it's, it's just like, you know, you know, going through drills, how can I pick up, you know, these sets, how can I, how do I shoot within, you know, the constructs of what they do and transition and their sets, um, in, in a live setting as well, you know, things like that. Um, and those are, you know, if you put it, if you're putting in the work and if, Oh, like, look at these percentages, you know, plus 40% in two leagues this year, you know, uh, they want to see if that's true. And, you know, sometimes you need to see it with your own eyes. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, we didn't know going into, you know, that first couple of days of free agency, it's like, could or couldn't, you know, and, and then a couple of days later, um, you know, get the call from my agent, Hey, we're, we're going to finalize this. And then, um, you know, I was just so grateful. It was, it's crazy. Just, it's, it felt like I got drafted again, almost. It was just one of those things like, Oh my gosh, just a weight off of you. And, um, I think grateful is the word that I've used so much, but it's so true. Um, because you don't realize what you got till it's gone. And, um, you know, just getting my foot back in the door and now I got to get all the way through again, you know, just and stick. Um, I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. And, uh, had, have, you know, going out to Vegas last week for two weeks during summer league, just with the staff and being able to work out with them and being in the gym with them just, you know, gives you such good momentum, you know, physically and mentally, and, um, just gets you so excited. That's amazing, man. I'm super excited for you because I personally think, um, that's, if I were to choose a team for you, they'd be towards the top. I mean, they're really a team that they, one, they need your position, your size and what you bring to the table, but two, um, their personalities match up. They're just a bunch of great dudes there. Um, I've had Fred on the show a while back, right. Um, right as he broke out and, uh, he's as good as a guy gets, um, oh, yeah. Siakam has been one of my all time favorites. Uh, but it just, the list goes on and then you're under the best management, best development team. 
Boucher's freaking developing at 28 years old. Like they, they make everybody better there. You're literally playing for the best coach in the league in my estimation. So who also, I just wanted to interject Nick nurse. Also, was he with the Vipers when you played for the Vipers? No, he wasn't, but, um, he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you know, (laughs) in kind of not parallels uh, to my roller coaster, but you know, talk about a guy that went through a lot to get where he's at. Right. And I think, I think what was it? Their first playoff run, he, you know, showed the patches he has on his, on his jacket, you know, all the stops he made in route to becoming a head coach in the NBA or something like, you know, it's the most absurd stoppage I've ever seen on a coach. Yeah. It's a hell of a dream. And the roster's kind of constructed that way. Right. You know, Fred, you know, going on draft and, you know, a bunch of guys that have either, you know, had some hiccups, had, you know, troubles in one way or another, you know, I feel like Toronto is, is a place that, you know, they, they thrive on that, you know, finding guys, you know, and making them comfortable developing them, you know, Chris Boucher, what a good dude. I mean, I've spent some time now with him, like just wants to work. And like, those are the type of guys that you want to be around. Right. And they make you better. And, and you know, I learned from even young guys, like I got, I've spent some time now with, with, with Scotty Barnes. I mean, the guy just wants to work, you know, and he's just such a wonderful person, you know, such a like bright kid, you know, being 19 and the questions he asks and the things he wants to accomplish, you know, those are things that make you want to get up and work. Right. And seeing people excited like that. And the staff is the same way. So, um, I couldn't have like almost picked you know, an organization that fits, you know, with personality wise, you know, just wanting to get up and go and, and seize it. So I I just want to say as a, excuse me, as a diehard fan of the team that drafted you and then seeing you leave the team and kind of bounce around and then leave the NBA, it's cool as shit to see the genuine joy on your face about your return. So it's, it's awesome. I'm thank you. Yeah. I'm really enjoying, you know, getting to kind of hear this journey. So, um, I want to talk about the substantive portions of your game. So, um, shooting was an issue earlier in the NBA. Obviously it looks like you, you caught fire. Can you talk about the change there? Is it mechanical? Is it mental? A little bit of both? Like it, it's opportunity. It's um, no, it's, it's one of those things I, that I want to tread lightly here. A lot of times young players coming in the NBA listen to too many voices and every shooting coach, every, not every, but a lot of guys, even that are, you know, on teams as player development thinks they have the answer to every poor shooting day. Right. And they think, Oh, you got to do this with your feet. Oh, you should do this with your hand. Oh, you should do this with your elbow. You should do this this with your eyes. And if you let that in too much, Mm -hmm. it can really get to you. And I tried to be such a, you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Guy that I let it affect then when it got to the game, like, Oh, I should be thinking about this, right? Oh, I should be thinking about this instead of I got here, like shooting the ball good. And if I just continue to shoot that way, I couldn't even get the percentages higher. And, um, you know, that's, I think where I, you know, my personal, uh, mistake was, you know, not to say that those people had ill intentions. No one did. Um, I just think I listened too much and tried to look into every miss I had too much. And, um, that's on me. And I, I, sometimes young guys get into that mode. Um, 
So, so you think the answer is that you just tuned the noise out and got back to hooping? I kind of did. I more, more so just like forgot about misses. That was a big thing. Fuck yeah. If I would miss shots early in my career, I'd be like, shoot, like, should I shoot that next one? Like, is someone still going to yell at me? You know, instead of like, no, I am in the gym all the time with my dad, with my trainer. I shoot lights out when I work out. So why can't I do this, you know, and have my same natural rhythm that I've had my whole life and not someone that I just started working with, you know? Um, so getting back to that natural, just my shot, just shooting the ball, my, the, you know, doing what my body's done forever. And then pairing that with mentally just go, you know, just like, like, even if you, if you make it, forget about it. If you miss it, forget about it. You're just going to shoot the ball. And, um, it sounds so easy, but it's not, you know, just saying, just shoot the ball. Like it's, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it, but, um, I think it's more mentally just pushing, pushing through and trusting myself and then trusting those closest around me. And Amazing. Well, now, self, the self-awareness is an, an unbelievable, man. And it sounds like me and my goddamn golf swing. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's you know, eight voices in it. You're trying yeah. to adjust in every hole. As a young guy, there's going to be swing the goddamn be, club. Yeah. There's going to be times you have a hitch or there's going to be times, you know, that's part of being young and, and fighting through it. But I got too caught up on that stuff sometimes and asked too many questions instead of oh, just I appreciate that. Go, let it go, let it go. And now I've gotten back to that and it, it feels great. Yeah, man. It's um and it's one of those things that has to weigh on you because obviously you're trying to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And with every miss, dude, even like I'm a I'm an average Joe, Sam. I'm not an, you know, uh, an MBA or collegiate athlete. So even when I'm hooping at like the gym, the local LA fitness, it's like, I miss a couple. I'm like, damn it. Now I got to start passing. Cause people are going to be like, this fool's missing, you know? Yeah. So it's like, how could that not be the case when you're at the highest level? It has to be. Yeah. So. And, and some nights I'm not, I don't know why it happens. Maybe it's lack of sleep or maybe it's, you got knocked off your routine or what, whatever. There's going to be a night or two or eight throughout a season where you're like, something feels a little weird. Right. And those are the times I think you even have to just, shoot it even more, you know, like be like, you know, almost prove to your own self, like, no, it's fine. And just shoot, shoot your way through it. And there was a game this year that was like, I started two for two, but my, both my makes, I was like, this feels weird. And I missed my next six. I was two for eight. And I'm like, dang, you're like, why did I keep shooting? And then, and then I was like, no, I'm going to keep shooting. And Kyle Wilcher was like, Sam, just keep shooting. And I hit two threes in the last minute that were big ones to get like, put us up like seven and then like 10. And it was just like one of those things all of a sudden, no, I was four for 10. You know, it's a good night, Yeah. but I was too afraid at one point and thinking, should I keep shooting? It's like, yeah, of course. And and it's crazy because people, especially nowadays, man, with analytics being what they are, people get so caught up on like percentages, you know, like, oh, he shot 34% versus 37%. It's like, dude, that's the difference. That's like making eight more throughout the season, you know? And like, how can you account for the rim in and out? Or how can you account for shot you got fouled on that they didn't call like it's so or that's like or that's like you know guys don't just because of those reasons it could be a difference in four million dollars guys don't want to shoot a half court shot at the end of the quarter yeah Some i think guys, those shots my by biggest the way, get, goddamn pet peeve right there i know but it's one of those things that they're like well why did sam shoot 33 percent not 35 percent it's like well maybe i took six half court heaves at the end yeah. of the first quarter in my second unit because i wanted to get a shot up i don't think <laughs> I they should count those I, I would really like to see the nba like 
Yeah. You know, if you're half court heaving, like don't count it on your three point percentage. I think that would make sense. <laughs> that's tough, but that's why I respected the Phoenix Suns so much in this entire playoff run. They're the only team that shot the ball at the end of every single quarter when they had the chance. They, no fear. Well, no matter who it was, Devin Booker, especially, he knows he's going to get his percentage right. Um, and, they, and they know he also, he also knows he's got his bag. So there's a difference and, there. And it's, and it's in the playoffs. It's like, Hey, this goes in, it's three more points. For That's sure. the biggest thing. The playoffs, you're like, screw the percentages. You know, it's like, you know, but if it's a game in, you know, November, November 17th, it's like, right. they take the 60 footer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. That's awesome. A couple so, more, man, we'll get you out of here. But uh, he already said that Harden got him easy buckets, which I, I kind of want to comment on that because there's a lot of debates around James Harden. He's no longer a part of the Houston Rockets. So, like, whatever, this is no longer my fight. But a lot of times people would say, oh, you know, people don't like to play with him because you're just standing around. And I think it might have gotten to that point, like later in the D'Antoni years when it was super duper ISO. But that year, that 16, 17 year, right. he was going crazy and the ball was moving. And like, you're right, he was drawing attention. It was new. D'Antoni and him was like a new union at the time. And it was kind of interesting to hear you talk about how you got easy buckets off him. Just like as soon as he drew a defender cut, boom. I remember I mean, that. He made, he makes everybody so much better in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he knows where you're going to be at all times, but how is he as a teammate? He's great. And that's, that's kind of my thing. I, I try to be as quiet as possible about everything. Cause I get it. Whatever. And um, my thing playing with James was, I, I was like, Every day, I was like, people don't give this guy enough credit. That was my biggest thing. Um, he's cut from the same cloth as like the Aaron Rodgers guy of the world, or you know, these guys that are so smart and they see the game so easily. You know what I mean? The the game, not just the game, but like the speed of the game and the cadence. Like everything comes so easy to them that sometimes it's like, oh, Sam, like why didn't you? know that you know or like whatever and um so that's i'm like man like people don't give this guy enough credit for how smart he is and how people hate his drawing fouls well he that's found a loophole right that's intelligent they hated, they hated his footwork well he found a loophole he found a loophole and hate like, the reps for that right and it's like well if everyone else if that rule's been there forever why didn't anyone else think of it you know so and i just thought just playing with him it was so easy. It, it made my, 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 my game so simple. It was like either cut or spot up. And I wasn't the only one, you know, Corey Brewer was like that, you know, Ryan Anderson, he, he made all those up. guys better. He could spot up from half court and J James would find him. And it was one of those things you always had to be ready though. Cause you never knew, you know, you drop it between the legs of Clint and you know, it was just one of those things. It was just like, Boom, 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 boom. And I, I loved it. And uh, so, I, yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about playing with James. I had fun. He helped my career. And um, it's funny. You look at a lot of my Rockets highlights. It's a lot of assists from James. <laughs> That's funny, man. You mentioned Rhino because I remember specifically, dude, he always used to, Harden always used to do that thing. He'd draw the defender from the elbow three. Mm -hmm. Anderson would be like three or four feet behind the three. Yeah. And then James would do that little nonchalant, like behind the, ba behind the back yeah. bounce pass to him. And that through the legs bounce pass to Clint. I remember that yeah. a lot. Um, so, would always, he would always draw that nail defender like one more foot away from Rhino. And that was his thing. He would just like kind of just creep up till that defender took one more step and he knew how much time Rhino needed to shoot it. And I was like, man, like he just gets guys ready and gets them involved. And um, yeah, no, 
Sorry to go too rocket centric there, but I, oh, really, no, I love really it. Really Zach might not, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple more questions. And then I just want to ask you one from, we covered most of what the listeners wanted to hear. I just wanted to ask a couple of those and then we'll get you out of here if that's okay with you. That's fine. Um, Zach, would you like to take yeah, over? Yeah, you grew up in Wisconsin. So was this Bucks title? Did it mean anything to you? Did you party? You weren't on a team. Did you celebrate a little bit or are you mostly just a Green Bay and a Brewers fan now? Um, I grew up a Bucks fan. Um, grew up about 55 minutes from the Bradley Center, which is now the Pfizer Forum. But um, yeah, my first teams growing up were Ray Allen, Big Dog, Tim Thomas, Sammy Big Sutton, Dog, Glenn Robinson, baby. Um, Irvin Johnson. So like, yeah, I grew up watching those guys, Darvin Ham. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was hard though. Then when I got to like middle school and high school, that's when they hit their big lull and you could kind of see they, they lost some of that younger fan base. You know, my dad growing up in the sixties and seventies, you know, he, he had those great teams. And so he never lost that fandom, right. He never lost that, that love for it. Um, and I could see that, you know, with him, this, this playoff run, like, man, like him and my brother, they were so excited. Um, me and my wife went to Eastern conference finals game two, I think. Um, awesome. So yeah, I got a chance to kind of revel in it a little bit. Just it's fun to be around the excitement. Um, the city, my, you know, me being from Sheboygan, just, just about an hour from Milwaukee, like every bar was packed. Everyone was excited. Um, in our state, it's a small market state, but our sports are big. Like sure. that's what we got. We got the Packers, we got the Brewers, we got the Badgers, we got the Bucks, and you know, then Marquette also has a big fan base. So like those teams are all within a couple hours of each other, um, and it makes up most of our personalities. So uh, when any team is doing well, you can feel it, and um, it's a unique place to be from. So it's uh, it, it's fun to kind of bask in it when they're doing well. You were a Buck for like an hour, right? That was. There was right? like a minute. It was, it was poorly reported. I was okay, never. Okay. I knew I was never going to Milwaukee. It just broke. Good. I'm glad you it, didn't know that. It just, it just broke uh, earlier than in, nothing was finalized yet. It was a, ended up being a three or four team trade. Um, so yeah, it, it was just, I don't want to say poorly reported because that was someone's job, but it was, um, it was broke too soon. All right. Packers, Brewers, how are they going to do? And then Roosh, you got it. Um, my brewers, I believe they're winning right. They were up three, nothing on the reds. They'll be up almost 10 games in the division right now. I'm a huge brewers fan. So, um, they're doing great. I, I love watching them. It's, that's probably my biggest thing in the summer. Um, just yeah, they're looking nice this year. Yeah, they are in Packers. I mean, they're my lock in the NFC to go to the championship or go to the Super Bowl. I think last year in the NFC championship, you know, that game against the Buccaneers, I think they, they were the better team. I just think. Buccaneers made some plays when it mattered. So my sorry ass Vikes will take them out. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. Rogers Rogers is burning that bitch to the ground. Yeah, good luck. Well, hey. Astros, Astros and Texans. Eh, Astros Texans but I Astros hope I hope that I would love for the Brewers to knock the Dodgers out, and I would love to see the Brewers in the World Series. Astros, Astros, Brewers. I was just texting my buddies today. I said I hope the Giants win the NL West because I don't want to face the Dodgers in the first round. That's a death sentence. Dude, I honestly, but see, the Dodgers could get that wild card game and blow it. You never know. They will get the wild card that's game. Why, that's why I want, I would rather play the Giants in a five game series than the Dodgers is all. That's all. Well, I don't blame you for that because the Dodgers have an all star, like all star rotation, all star lineup. It's kind of crazy. That, they're ridiculous. But I hope, I hope they draw. The Reds are kind of, kind of balling right now, too. <clears throat> but I hope they draw the Padres and I just hope 
Tatis goes off and just one game smokes him. I would yeah. love that. But yeah. um, you never know. You never know. It could happen. Astros Brewers. I, I would love that. Anyone but the Dodgers, really. But um, all right, man. A couple questions just from the listeners, and then I have one about Toronto, and then we'll we'll get you out of here. Um, so someone asked, in your opinion, what makes European basketball so different from the NBA? Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about playing NBA basketball versus European basketball and mm. what you may or may not like better. I'll say for me, the refereeing, at least what we saw in the Olympics, I loved how they're not giving those bailout calls, the stupid, like, you know, mm. throw your shoulder and fall and jack it up. Baiting. Yeah. Baiting. It was just nice to see. Um, so kind of interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I agree with that. It took some time for me to get used to. Um, I think the biggest difference is just the space. Um, when I get by like my defender overseas, all of a sudden there's like three guys in the paint because there's no illegal defense. Um, so you can just, if you got a six eleven long armed guy, you can just kind of camp him down there. You know, he doesn't have to cleanse himself. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, did you see the uh, lights out, light? baby? Lights out. The um, you, you can just you can kind of camp a guy down there and. Um, so that was a big, that's the biggest thing for me is the spacing, um, you know, coming back, you know, even playing a little bit here in like open gyms and stuff, just realizing how much more space there is when guys are, you know, cleansing themselves. I get by a guy and I'm at the rim. So, so much quicker. So uh, I think that, and just like the little things, you know, travels and, um, you know, if you try to rip baseline, they'll call you for a travel. If you even move your back foot at all, you know, so little things like that, you got to put the ball down and, um, uh, sorry, but, slapping the ball off the rim. Uh, slapping the ball off the rim. It's a. It, I mean, it doesn't happen as much. It, it happens more on like free throws, or if like there's like someone's trying to get it put back, and you're kind of tipping it around, and a guy just jumps up and knocks it. But it, it maybe happens like once a game, if that. Um, yeah, it didn't really affect me too much. So last fan question, and then I have one, and then we shall wrap it. Um, someone asked, "What was the?" It's a quick hitter, I guess. What was the best part? about living and playing in Madison? Ooh, living in Madison. I think the, just the college town vibe, it's, it's a unique setting there. Um, cause the city is about you know, 300,000 people. So it's a decent sized city, but then a campus right in the middle of it, uh, smack dab in between two lakes. And then you have just, you know, the football stadium, the basketball stadium, just everything all right there. Um, it's just like a college town. Yeah. It's just such a, it, it's this, this line is used a lot, but it's, it's like truly just like a vibe. Like you just like, it is, you're always just seeing people saying what up, you know, like it's just it's it's a different just, energy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great energy. And it's just like just young and fast paced. So uh, I, I love that. I, I wish I remember my two nights there. Shit. Yeah, no, it's no. Yeah. That's <laughs> another one. The nightlife is great. Um, and but playing there also biggest thing about playing there is, you know, you're going to have 18,000 every night. Like that's, you you sell out every game and they're going to be there ready to roll. And that's huge. And just Wisconsin winters suck. So like yeah, everyone's going to find a reason to get inside and either be at the game or be at a bar watching the game or be in their basement watching the game. Your so. year was, didn't y'all go to the final four? Was that the year? Dude, they big dick Kentucky. Like it's amazing. I love yeah. his team because of that. I hate we Kentucky. Went, we went to the final four both years, uh, 20, 20, 2014 and 15. So we got, yeah, the tickets. The old, hey. I love it. And then 2014 in Dallas. So, yeah, we That's lost to Kentucky shit. in the final four semis. 
um, on a buzzer beater. And then the next year we beat Kentucky and lost to Duke in the championship. So yeah. any of those guys, you Kentucky guys, you still chirp at and, um, or is you don't even, you don't even really know. I, I actually got, um, yeah, pretty close. It's funny when you're all rookies, then the next year, it's because all we all went pro for both teams. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, me, Frank, Carl, Anthony, um, Willie Colley, all those guys, the Harrison twins book. It's crazy. We all are in the same like rookie transition camps and stuff. So yeah, you, you talk and you know, you get through it and whatever. And then I, I became really close with, you know, Houston guy, justice Winslow. Um, oh yeah. Beat me in the national title. Um, but I became really close with him my rookie year and his family and they would come to games and watch me and people on Twitter would be mad at me that I'm at top golf with justice. They're like, <laughs> you, you're supposed to hate him. And I'm like, no, he's my guy. And like, you know, so. so it was you and Kaminsky and wasn't it, uh, Carl Landry's little brother or am I, am I tripping? No, that was, that was Marcus was before me. Um, it was like us, Nigel Hayes, um, Bronson Koenig, the what? Arguably one of the most memorable runner-ups ever for being an undefeated Kentucky team. Like I'll always know you guys. Like, it's it's all right. You lost to an all-time team, and I mean, just like just like Roosh's Houston Rockets, they're okay. going to be known as one of the best runner-ups of all time. And there's only one winner out of fucking two hundred teams or so. Shit. So. So Sam, we've really enjoyed this man. One final question, and then we will um, let you enjoy the rest of your night. We appreciate you spending yeah. your time with us. Um, so has Toronto talked to you about your role and what to expect this upcoming season? And is that kind of like clear cut for you or is it, you know, what's your approach there? Um, you know, my, you know, my speaking with them has more, more so been, you know, we could use you here. We could use it here, you know, and it's kind of the, you know, the whole serving is like, you got to be ready to, you know, pick and roll. You got to be ready to bring the ball up in transition. You got to be able to, you know, get the ball on a rebound and bring it yourself. You got to be able to spot up, come off screen. So it's they, and that's not just me. That's everyone on the court has to be able to do all these things. Right. So like we could have our two men set in screens, you know, we could have, you know, the, that's the kind of the way that the roster is configured right now. So it's more of those, more of those, you know, interchange, interchangeable parts with, you know, the offense and defense. Uh, so I think mostly they've been asking me, you know, talking to me about, you know, how can you use your versatility? How can we best, you know, get the most out of your skill set and what you're, you know, you're comfortable with. So um, I think defensively, that'll be the biggest thing, just being able to guard one through five, you know, my whole career uh, in the NBA, I was, switching one through five. So that was never an issue for me. Um, but I think that's something that I need to continue to show. And then, you know, then offensively just be able to use my athleticism when needed, but then also be able to spread the floor and play off of guys. And that's kind of when I, um, I, like you've seen in Houston and my other years, the cutting and the shooting aspect, just being able to play off the ball and, you know, take pressure off guys. That'll be a big role that I'll take seriously. Well, it sounds like versatility is the name of the game in Toronto. So that's cool to see, man. Yeah. Um, well, hey, look, keep your head up. Keep going. I'm really, really excited to see, you know, what you do this year. And we'll, we will definitely be following along and watching. So thank you again for taking the time, man. Really cool to talk to you. Really, really cool to hear about the ups and yeah. the downs. And um, looks like you're on the mend here and on the up. So let's get I it. I hope so. I hope so. I appreciate you guys having me. It was, it was really fun. I love I, I could I could go for five hours talking about hoops and just the in, ins and outs. Feel it, man. Uh, ins and outs of my brain. So we uh, could too. 
Yeah. If you, yeah. In, in the future, if you ever want me on again, maybe mid season, you know, all-star break or something we can do. Yeah, sure. We'll check in with you for sure. dude. <laughs> appreciate it, man. No, it was great getting to know you and uh, I appreciate you really opening up about the journey. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. Uh, so I, I'm loving the fit and I'm wishing you nothing but the best. It's going to be a fun, fun redemption story, my man. I need Thanks to so see much. a quick tour though, of the jerseys. Oh yeah. I know. Okay. Um, and I can turn some of these lights on. Yeah, it's a mess down here, but um, we, we've done, we, we see, moved we, in here we, like 16 months ago. So who said, uh, was that your jersey number seven over there with the yes, Clippers? that was me with the Clippers, Blake, Blake myself, Badgers, Nick, Nick Johnson, Johnson, Tyler Ryan. Ennis, Arike Agamowale, who's one of the best players in the NBA, Daray, my best buddy, uh, Jabari, RJ Hunter, my jersey this year. Um, and then, Coming back through here, I've made like a makeshift gym. So we have more of our, uh, this is my high school jersey I won state in. Oh, yes, nice. sir. Uh, Cleveland, got my Rockets right here. There we go. And then cool. got Team USA U19 in Brazil. We won the gold. Oh, um, forgot so your gold medalist. There we yeah, go. Yeah, so that's just, that's just some of our, some of the jerseys and stuff, but it's, it's fun having all this stuff. And, Actually got these art pieces from my wife met a guy that so it's Arrowhead, Miller Park, and Lambo. Well, that's um, sketches. But it's no, it's every player that's ever played, his name is written, and that's what's made. Oh wow. That's sick. Yeah. So every brewer ever, every packer ever, every chief ever um isn't that so it's cool to have a little room where i can just show off my stuff that's oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> well, cool man well hey thank you so much we will when we're um we'll probably put this out next week and yeah. we'll send it off to you um retweets are always appreciated and oh yeah i got you appreciate it man and yeah we'll be in touch dude like i said i'll be following so you may Sounds see some good. tweets throughout the throughout the year thanks guys this is best of luck sam take care right, we'll see you soon bye bye